We've got brand new numbers out today. Trump's approval amongst likely voters is up to 52%. This is the highest it has been essentially since Trump took office two years ago. And what does this show us? That the shutdown did not do any long-term damage to President Trump. He can clearly bounce back from his numbers dropping. Remember, during the shutdown, Trump's numbers started to tank and a lot of people panicked. Forget the wall, abandon the wall, it's not worth it. Trump's numbers are starting to slip. Don't use emergency funds, that's not popular. Don't shut down the government again. You'll get voters all upset and look at that. Here we are about two weeks later and his numbers are the highest they've ever been. Voters, I always say this, they have extremely short memories. In fact, I'd say Trump should do the opposite. Get the wall now, let your numbers tank if that's what it takes. But once the wall is built, People will be thrilled that there's a wall and they're going to forget that they didn't like your tactics. That's always how this works. Voters have extremely short memories. I could show you many examples of presidents whose approval numbers were way, way, way down. And yet they got reelected in a landslide. Now, I will grant you that and Obama, Obama's numbers dropped many times, you know, but then when it came time to reelect him. He crushed Mitt Romney. Now, I'll grant you this surge is partially because the State of the Union. But that's exactly the point. What did Trump do in the State of the Union? He showed a lot of Americans who don't follow the news that closely. They open up the New York Times. They watch CNN and they're poisoned by the media. And this showed them Trump's not a monster after all, after all, like CNN may, would make you think. Trump isn't a Russian agent. And in fact, he cares a lot more about improving American lives than a lot of the Democrats. So if he sticks with that message, then I believe that he can encourage a lot more people to support him. By the way, in my recap for the State of the Union, I may have missed a very crucial line. At one point, Trump said, we will not become a socialist country. So, you know, sprinkled throughout a lot of bipartisanship, Trump did have those kind of moments where he really ripped the Democrats. And again, what was he doing there? Educating all those people whose minds are poisoned by the media. They look at Ocasio-Cortez and a lot of these other radicals, Bernie Sanders, they look at them as heroes. And they don't realize, the media doesn't tell them that these people are socialists. The media tries to play that down and neglects to mention that Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders, they are both self-proclaimed socialists. And this was Trump really just laying it out there for everybody to see, hey, guess what? Yes, they're trying to make your the country socialist. And believe me, a lot of Democrat voters in middle America, a lot, a lot of them are terrified of socialism. Now, let's look back here. Since the Democrats took control of the House, let's look at what their strategy has been. Things have just gone completely off the rails. The best thing that they've done is basically do nothing while, while, while the government was shut down, allow the media to kind of bash Trump and do their dirty work. But ever since the government has been reopened, the Democrat Party has been a train wreck. Look at what's gone on. There have been subpoenas. They have reopened these dead-end investigations and witch hunts into Trump, into his financial dealings. We'll get to more of that later on. These abortion bills, calling Democrats calling for the execution of newborns, and this, this Green New Deal fiasco, which we'll also get into here coming up, taxing the rich at 70%, abolishing private insurance companies, as Kamala Harris said she wants to do, then she didn't say it, then she did again, uh, abolish ICE. You know, these are all policies that mainstream Democrats have supported. And between the Green New Deal, the State of the Union, you know, and uh, and a lot of these other fiascos, like the abortion comments, the Democrat Party 
has just careened completely out of control. Now, I just want to recap here this whole Green New Deal fiasco because it's very important to realize what happened here. Ocasio-Cortez revealed, uh, I'm sorry, released, unveiled this, this Green New Deal and part of it said that they are going to provide financial security for people unwilling to work. It was on Ocasio-Cortez's website. It's still out there. You can't find it, although Ocasio-Cortez has conveniently taken it down. It's vanished from her site. People unable or unwilling to work will have financial security thanks to the Green New Deal. That's what it said. And then Ocasio-Cortez's own people said, that's not true. That's not our version. That was doctored by Republican operatives. That's what they claimed. Tucker Carlson called them on it and said, how are you going to support people who are unwilling to work? No, we never said that. Oh, wait a second. No, there's proof that it was on their website. Oh, yeah, I guess we did say it, but it was just a first draft. We were going to change it afterwards. Well, that begs the question. How did it get there? Even if it's a first draft, it means somebody wrote it. It means an Ocasio-Cortez advisor, or maybe she herself wrote this in there and a few other wacky things too, like abolishing air travel within 10 years because everything's going to be done using light rail, using trains. So somebody, I'm not sure how they're going to, as a friend of mine pointed out, how are they going to get trains across the ocean? So somebody wrote this. And what what all this means is they didn't proofread it, they didn't edit it, or maybe when they read through it, they said, well, this is not going to really offend anybody. Nobody's going to be too troubled by this. And hello, wake up. Then suddenly, wow, wait a second. Supporting people who are unwilling to work, that's not very popular. Hmm, We didn't think of that. So what really happened is here, they actually believe this. See, they're going to change it now. But why are they changing it? Whenever you see something first draft, what you're usually seeing is their real true belief then they find out, well, this is not going to fly. You know, this is not for the mess. They're not ready for this yet. So then they water it down. They tone it down. So what we're really seeing is what Ocasio-Cortez really wants. If you're unwilling to work, no problem. You deserve government support. Air travel, air travel is going to destroy the planet in less than 12 years. So forget airplanes. I know they're convenient. I know they make our lives really, really good. But they're a threat to society. So we got to get rid of air travel. Wait a second. Folks, People are upset. Okay, sorry. This is just the first draft. We're going to change it. But this is terrifying, the fact that there are people out there who who are in power who actually believe this stuff. Now, one more point. I know I mentioned yesterday, but it bears repeating. Nancy Pelosi, she really made a mockery of the Green New Deal. And now it looks like they're saying it may not even come come before the House for a vote. The House may not even vote on the Green New Deal. So it may be a total flop. Surprise, surprise. Pelosi, she was asked about this and she said, oh, the Green Dream. So she got the name wrong. Now, she knew the name of the Green New Deal. It's it's a takeoff of FDR's New Deal. But she was making fun. She was trying to make light of it because she knows how absurd this is and how much of a mockery it's making of her party. And she made fun of the name. And she said, oh, yeah, people are in favor of it. They don't even know what's in it. You know, Elizabeth Warren, she made a comment. She announced her candidacy officially on Sunday, gave a speech and said, you know, Trump he may not even be a free man come November 2020. Well, I'll say this to Ms. Warren. Trump may be in jail, but unlike you, Trump's actually going to be on the ticket. You know, And Trump's obviously not going to be in jail. His, his kids may be in jail, thanks to Bob Mueller, but, but Trump's not going to be in jail. But Elizabeth Warren, she is not going to be the nominee. Now, Adam, you heard it here first, folks. Adam Schiff, going out on a limb there. Adam Schiff is defending some of these investigations that he is leading in the House against Trump. He's looking into Trump's financial dealings. He wants to know if Trump was doing business with Russian oligarchs and if Trump is guilty of 
money laundering. And when he was asked about this by NBC, they said, but uh, aren't, you know, and by the way, Adam Schiff, yes, once again, appeared on TV. I know there's a shock. Sit down, folks. You're not going to believe this. Adam Schiff on TV for maybe the 500th time in the last two years talking about uh, Trump's potential crimes. So Schiff was asked, well, aren't you potentially overlapping with Bob Mueller's investigation? Don't you want to kind of wait and see? And you know what Schiff, don't you want to wait and see what Mueller does before you kind of uh, infringe on his investigation? And Adam Schiff said, well, if we wait for Mueller, we'll be waiting for years. So Adam Schiff himself admits that this Mueller thing has just dragged out forever. But then he said, no, you know what? We're not overlapping Mueller because we don't believe that Mueller is looking into whether Trump committed money laundering. That's actually so what is Schiff saying? You know, and they have reasons to believe that Mueller, even though he doesn't announce what he's looking into, but, uh, you know, it probably leaked. But Adam Schiff said that there were certain people that Mueller didn't subpoena that he should have subpoenaed if he's looking into Trump's financial dealings. So anyway, Schiff says, therefore, you know, so basically, like, we finally found something. You know, Mueller, he's looked into obstruction. He's looked into collusion, inauguration funds, Michael Cohn, campaign finance. We finally found something, guys, that Mueller didn't look into. Well, Mueller has looked into everything humanly imaginable. Wouldn't you think if Mueller didn't look into it, it's there's probably nothing to look into. But no, that's not going to stop Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff doesn't care if there's actually any indictable offense here. Adam Schiff just cares about one thing, is destroying Trump's name, sabotaging him, and maybe the I word, maybe even impeaching. All right, there's an interesting new data out. Uh, Americans are moving to mostly red states. They have data from U-Haul, the moving company. They uh, put this out every year. What are the top states that Americans are moving into? And the top five states in 2018 that Americans moved to are all red states, Texas, Florida, South Carolina, Utah, and Idaho. And are we surprised? People are moving out of blue states, moving out of high-tax states, moving to low-tax states. That's right, as Andrew Cuomo himself will tell you. Now, this is not necessarily good news because these are not only Trump voters and not only Republicans moving to red states. If anything, you know, how many times have we seen these Democrats who are in favor of high taxes, but they themselves don't want to pay the taxes. They just want other people. I, yeah, I want taxes. Taxes, it's moral to tax rich people a lot of money, but just not me. So they move to these red states, and then, of course, they turn these states Democrat. Now, Florida is already a, very much a swing state. As we, told, as we told you, this governor's race that was neck and neck, despite the socialist uh, what's his name? Andrew Gillum being one of the candidates. And even Texas, you know, the uh, the race between Ted Cruz and Beto Rourke was too close, if you ask me, too close for comfort. And now Texas is still very much a red state, but it is interesting. These shifts do happen, folks, so keep an eye. All right, Elon Omar, well, we know more than enough about her. Well, she is under fire again for new anti-Semitic comments, and we've been telling you about this. We've been, every detail, we've really kept you very much on top of this. So she says that the reason politicians support Israel is because they get paid to do it. One of the quotes that she tweeted was, it's all about the Benjamins, which is referring to Benjamin Franklin's, referring to $100 bills, it's slang, saying that, oh, you know, the, the, the Jews have the politicians in their back pocket. This is what she's saying, and it's viciously anti Semitic and even liberal Jews who are anti-Israel are outraged by this. There was one uh, Jewish author who he says he's not particularly pro-Israel, and he says this is the equivalent of calling Jews 
hook nose because what she's saying, she's saying, yeah, Israel, they don't have any right to all the support that they get. I mean, it is such a slap in the face. This is these are comments are reprehensible and very consistent with all the other vicious anti-Semitic comments that she has made. She's saying the Jews are just paying off politicians to support them. They're greasing the politicians' pockets. It's a disgusting stereotype. All oh, those rich Jews are greasing the pockets of the politicians so that they support Israel. And she's saying that Israel is in the wrong, which she tweeted years ago. Remember? Oh, well, she didn't realize when she said that Israel is hypnotizing the world and she called Israel an apartheid state. She didn't realize that that would offend people. I'm sorry. I'm not really sorry, but I'm sorry now that I know that I offended people and I want to run for Congress. Even Chelsea Clinton, amongst many, many other Democrats who have condemned these words, Chelsea Clinton said, quote, we should expect all elected officials, regardless of party, and all public figures to not traffic in anti-Semitism. That's a response to these comments by Elon Omar. By the way, she also called for the defunding of Homeland Security. Very popular position there. She tweeted, not one dollar for DHS. Then she clarified her tweet. She didn't mean not one dollar for DHS. She meant not one additional dollar for DHS. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, the clock is ticking. Another shutdown, of course, will happen this Friday night at Midnight, and the latest is, we told you negotiations broke down. The Democrats, uh, on their side, they were demanding a cap for the number of immigrants who can be detained by ICE, the number of beds in detention centers for immigrants detained after they're arrested by ICE. Now, Trump says that this is totally new. This demand, nobody's heard this demand before. They suddenly pulled this out of left field, the Democrats. Well, all right, we're going to give you some money for fencing, but we want to make sure that you cap the number of de detainees arrested by ICE. Now, why did they suddenly raise this issue now? So Trump himself speculates that the Democrats actually want another shutdown. And you know he makes a really compelling case. You know, as we highlighted in the beginning of this show, uh, the Demo as since the government reopened, the Democrats have just had one train wreck after the next. It's just been a nightmare for the Democrats. It, their, their best strategy is having the government shut down and blaming Trump for it. That, that's that's all they've got. They're just such a mess right now that that's really all they've got is, well, blame Trump and get people to not like Trump because they have nothing. So maybe that is what they want. Maybe they want another government shutdown. It, it would certainly seem that way. That would actually benefit the Democrats. Now, the question is going to be, will Trump go through with it? And, uh, you know, if they don't give him a wall and uh, it looks like once again, they're not going to give him a wall. Now, by the way, I, I do want to make the point a caller called up and pointed out. And I think we do need to focus on this. A lot of these Democrat candidates like Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, they're rallying crowds around a populist idea. The government can pay all your expenses they just need to take the money from the rich people who don't deserve it and they're corrupt and they're hoarding all the money for themselves. Take it from them and give it to all of us. Let's share it. And then we don't need to work and we're going to have our fair share and life's going to be peachy because those rich people have enough to support all of us and then some. And now it sounds very appealing when you're struggling, you know, and then these politicians get up and start blaming the rich. Well, look at all these corporations. They have so much money. Howard Schultz and Apple and Amazon and Bezos, they've got all the money. They're hoarding it for themselves. And there are some very numbers that, you know, can really, really sound very shocking. You know, when you look at the super, super wealthy in the United States. But the point is, and ironically, the real economic struggle that people are suffering through, they're because of Obama's policies, they're because of Obamacare, they're because Obama 
crushed these businesses with all the regulations. That's really the, the, the source of all the struggle. But of course, they're going to blame big corporations and Wall Street, and it's becoming a very popular movement, and it's very frightening. So I want to thank the caller, you know, because I keep making fun of Ocasio-Cortez. Now, there's a lot to make fun of, but he makes the point Ocasio-Cortez does have a huge following, and not just her, but many other socialist politicians, including Bernie Sanders. He's the leader, in fact, and the reason is because so many people actually buy into this narrative, and they want socialism, and it's it's terrifying. It absolutely is terrifying that in 2019, so many people can be in favor of socialism because it sounds so appealing, and yet it would literally destroy the fabric of the country. So Ocasio-Cortez represents a danger. So in a certain sense, I look at her as a mockery because she makes a mockery of herself, but we cannot dismiss her because she really is a symbol of movement. Look, she got elected, and uh, she does seem very popular, and the reason is, even though her facts are all off, even though she says things that are ludicrous, a lot of people don't care. They don't. The, the facts don't even bother them one bit. The only fact they care about is that they're struggling. The rich people are not struggling. Ocasio-Cortez is saying, I'll take the money from the rich people and I'm going to give it to you. And you could be unwilling to work. I'm still going to give you government handouts. Now, And he, this caller also pointed out, that's why Ocasio-Cortez and other Democrats oppose the Amazon deal. Yeah, you know, it's what we told you also. They, they, they want that money going to their constituents. They don't want that money going to business, but it actually is much deeper. You know, $3 billion in tax incentives to a big corporation like Amazon, they view that as offensive. Now, economically, it would help tens of thousands of middle-class New Yorkers to have that economic boom and to create all those jobs and to have so much more tax revenue. This $3 billion is an investment, best money New York could ever spend, but they view it as offensive to have a $3 billion tax cut, tax incentive to a big corporation like Amazon. So there's no logic. There's no reason or rationale. It's like, well, they hear that and they shut off. All right, $3 billion to Amazon. I'm against this deal. Wait a second. It's going to help tens of thousands of your own constituents be wealthier, have more money, have more financial freedom. It's going to help your entire district, Ocasio-Cortez, except maybe a few people. Well, you're giving $3 billion to Amazon. I don't want to hear about this. And to, to them, it's like a non-starter, and it's completely, completely irrational. All right, so thank you for pointing that out. That's going to do it on this busy Monday, and we will see you next time.